Well, good morning, saints. I have been so delighted to be with you this morning and to be able to see, like minute by minute, how incredibly filled with the Spirit and how vital you are. It's funny, I was here at 8 o'clock and thought, well, this is great. (laughs) And then watching people pour in at 9 o'clock and to see all of you, many of whom I've had the privilege of seeing around and about our diocese, is just pure joy. I want to just take a, a couple of moments, too, just to note a few other things. I think between my first visit here, I think it was late May or June of 2017, and today, I've been here a number of times, always for a wonderful occasion, so we've been rejoicing. I mean, I think that sort of happens, so it's perhaps no accident that I'm here on Gaudete Sunday, the Sunday where we light the pink candle and we actually get to rejoice. Whether it was my first visitation here or the diaconal ordination of Patrick Burke or the celebration of new ministry with your rector, Father Bruce, it just seems like there's always something to celebrate here, and I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the ways in which we get to collaborate and do things around and about, whether it's at Waycross or um, my family being able to be here. I wasn't here, but I know from good reports from Timothy and Harrison about the St. Nicholas breakfast that that was a good time. And um, and I'm already, I, I know I've talked to three people already that as soon as you get your new Hogwarts date, I need it on my calendar, ASAP, so that we can be here, because that looked amazing, truly. So um, thank, thank you for all you do and the ways in which you show up for each other. I also want to, um, as we think about the past a little bit, if you were here last spring, well, let's do it in reverse. If you're fairly new to Holy Family, raise your hand. Who's fairly new here in the last, yeah? Well, okay, yes, that's real. <laughs> And so, um, so you would not have been here, and maybe you were not here when I made my first visit, and I'm not going to ask you to really remember all of my sermon that I preached last time, because that would be amazing too, but I want to remind you of what I had said to you. Maybe it sounds familiar. When I was here last time for the official visitation, I invited you to ask yourselves, as a congregation, how God has acted with grace in your life. And how has grace kind of rained upon you? And to tell those stories and treasure them. Because at that point, you were in the midst of transition. You were just starting out into some unknown territory. And I wanted to remind you that the one who loves you and created you and created all that is, desires nothing less that you love and be loved and that you would live without fear and that you would be bearers of hope and be living, breathing symbols of resurrection. You know, to be the good news, the good news of Jesus for this community, for this village. And so to come here 18 months later, it seems like that is so, and it's increasing. So it's beautiful. Now, that was an Eastertide when I was here. And I often say that because we believe in the resurrection, that we are resurrection people, we are Easter people, but we are also Advent people. And I think Advent time is really kind of Holy Family's like feast time because it's the time when we anticipate and hope for this Holy Family that will come among us and change the world. And so even though it's the shortest of our liturgical seasons, 
I think the ways in which we're called to live in Advent hope, in Advent anticipation, in Advent expectation is a part of our posture as much as resurrection. So I want to ask you how you're doing in these days. How are you in what seemed to be, at least to me, kind of crazy, unpredictable times? Our world, if you're paying attention, seems to be a mass of paradoxes and contradictions. On the one hand, it's really simple. Things like we long for Christmas, right? We're longing for Christmas and all of the joy that comes with celebrating the birth of Christ, and yet, right now, we're called to wait patiently and expectantly and to sit in Advent. We make our way to church on this refreshment Sunday, this pink candle and all of the things that come with this break that we get to rejoice in the Lord always, and yet we are greeted in our readings by John the Baptist, who's calling those to, who would come to be baptized, you know, he's calling them into community, but he's calling them a brood of vipers. He's calling them baby snakes. So, you know, really not an invitation of real welcome. It's kind of this interesting tension. These are days of paradox and contradiction. And maybe it's because if it's the typical tensions of the world, it seems more stark. I don't know, when I look at my news feed that comes in, I mean, I'll just tell you what my Facebook feed looked like this morning. There was a picture of a friend of mine who just, her son just got admitted to Dartmouth and he had his early decision commitment letter and it was rejoicing. And then the next picture was a picture of the Bishop of Washington and our Dean, Steve Carlson, at the border wall. Tensions, like there's celebration and there's heartbreak. We are called, I think, to find our ways through even those things that seem to be at odds. My Facebook feed and all of the news is already telling me to be a better person and get my workout on because the new year is coming and I need to do all of that, right? No pressure. And it's also showing images of poverty and people who are asking for prayers for their cancer diagnosis or for their drug-addicted children. Paradox, contradiction, light, dark, over and over and over again. We sing and we pray for the one Jesus to come among us, to be born anew, the Prince of Peace, and we see brokenness and heartbreak in our world at the same time. Now, perhaps it has always been this way. But somehow, right now, to me anyway, it seems more than a bit much. And so if we've ever needed the season of Advent, I think it is now. In the midst of all that is going on in these strange and wonderful and crazy, rich days, we need to keep our heart, our eyes trained on Advent. Advent hope, Advent possibility, Advent life, which can be easy to miss. And because we are Advent people, we are called to be extra attentive, to pay attention to that other paradox, like the light that shines in the darkness. This notion that from broken and abandoned dreams, hope is born. 
Transformation can come from the most unexpected places. In her book, The Liturgical Year, Joan Chittister, who's an author you may know, she says this of Advent. She wrote, the year opens with Advent, the season that teaches us to wait for what is beyond the obvious. It trains us to see what is behind the apparent. Advent makes us look for God in all the places we have until now ignored. She goes on to say that Advent kind of hones our insights and reminds us of what we are waiting for, who we are waiting for. So this is our call right now to make this time of Advent the opportunity to look beyond the obvious and pay attention to where God is near. So let's take a quick look at our lessons. We have Luke, rich in imagery, though, you know, that makes the Advent message kind of hard to miss because there's John the Baptist out there in the wilderness with that. And you, you know, you probably have pictured what he might look like, hair shirt, craggly beard. He's not getting the nice sort of hipster trim. He's got like masses of hair and honey kind of all dripping down and gooping it up. And then the way I imagine it is through the voice of a priest I um, had in my church way back who had this really deep, raspy voice. And so you can almost hear him going, you brood of vipers, right? Like, isn't that how you imagine it? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's inviting, right? (laughs) (laughs) Repent. (laughs) John came preaching this challenging message, these exhortations, which in his day were really directed to the powers that be as much as it was to those who were coming to him. John lived in a time that was really based on empire, where those who were at the top were grabbing all they could through force and greed, and those at the bottom were just kind of suffering along. And it wasn't just the Roman Empire, it was also the religious institutions of his day who felt John's rebuke. John's message about the forgiveness of sins and being baptized in the river made actually the people in charge of the religious establishment run in the other way. The priests, including the ones listed in John when he first appears, couldn't have greeted John's preaching with any kind of enthusiasm. And because the people on top, whether they were religious or political, were in that place of abusing power, they were not ripe to hear that message. And yet John was over and over again saying to people, come, turn your life around, turn to God. Wherever you are, turn to God over and over again, reminding us that what we are waiting for and who we're waiting for is the one who wants to show us love. And he spoke that message to everyone who could hear it. The season of Advent is God's way of showing us what real love looks like. It's easy to think that it's all about getting ready for Christmas, and it's that. We're anticipating the birth of Christ. We are certainly looking for Christ's return. But another way to look at it, aside from this double gift, is that this is the time when God's saying, look, I want to show you what real love looks like. And that's the reason why Jesus came in the first place, isn't it? I like to sometimes talk to youth about, like, what's the short story of the whole tradition 
What is the story of God's relationship with people? In the Judeo-Christian tradition, the story of God and humanity, condensed from the thousands of pages we have in our scriptures, is basically this. God says, please come and be my people. Follow these simple rules. Follow these commandments, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and all will be well. And the people of God would do that for a time, and then something would happen. The people would rebel or forget to walk in God's ways or get too hungry for the wrong kind of power or want to be God. And then a prophet would come along and say, hold up, come back to God. The people would try to make it right. They would say, I'm sorry. God would forgive them. And then the whole cycle would begin all over again. God would say, be my people, follow my rules and commandments. The people would say, okay, and then they would fall down. And then God would say, come back over and over and over again. Simplified version, right? You do this for centuries and centuries and millennia, and then I figure God got tired of it. And kind of like that joke or the old, I mean, it was actual billboard where the, you know, there's God saying, you're going to make me come down there, aren't you? Right? <laughs> like, don't make me come down there. But God does. God comes among us looks down at hapless humanity trying and says, I'm going to come and be among you and show you for real what real love looks like. And God becomes one of us to show us over and over and over again that God means it. God actually means it. Just do these few things. Love one another as I love you. Love me as I love you. Don't hide that piece of me which resides in each and every one of you. That's it. Simple. Hard. But we can never hear that message too much. The ways of the world and the news that we wake up to is often enough to make us forget what real love looks like. And with all of the real life tragedies and heartbreaks and disappointments, it can be really easy to remember that real love is possible, but God says, it's possible, and actually in each and every one of you, you're called to be a part of that. The voice of John the Baptist, with all of the crazy images he evokes, is really about saying, come back, repent, which means turn around, face God. We're being called over and over again into a new way of living in faithfulness. And how blessed are we to have Eliza and Margaret and Lauren to remind us in real time in this congregation that it's possible to come and say yes anew. So much to celebrate. And yes, these are strange days. Perhaps it has ever been thus. But in the midst of all the things you've got going on today, when you leave this place, you probably have like a thousand things to do, things that weigh heavy, errands to run, Christmas to make happen, school tomorrow, all of it. And God says, pay attention. Take a breath. This is the time to prepare, to find grace in the paradox and the contradictions, to make ourselves ready to meet love incarnate, bringing light into our world. And God saying, take a breath, because it's you, each and every one of you, 
that's called to be love incarnate, to be light in this world. Amen.